You're listening to Review Season on your Murder Mystery World Tour, Death of the Reader. Easily our highest profile inclusion for 2022, Death on the Nile by Kenneth Branagh comes in at 14th place for our recommendations. Four and a bit years on from the release of the previous film in Branagh's Poirot adaptation, Murder on the Orient Express, a pandemic et al. turmoiled production gave us a hotly debated adaptation of Agatha Christie's novel of the same name. Whilst there's plenty of issues to be had with the massacre screenwriter Michael Green committed upon the source material, it still has a lot to say for itself and could be worth your consideration. Death on the Nile tells your usual Poirot story, Christie's iterative narrative this time taking the Belgian to one of her favourite travel destinations. Months after witnessing the formation of a love triangle at a bar in London, the great detective finds himself inexplicably at its culmination on the shores of the Titulate River. Simon Doyle has forsaken Jackie, his lover from that London flashback, for her former friend Lynette. From here, our novel and film begin to diverge. In the book, Poirot is the outsider, provided a cabin on the Karnak thanks to his acquaintance Colonel Race. In the film, we see the return of Murder on the Orient Express's Book, a lavish friend of the tightly wound Hercule Poirot. It's indicative of the principle behind every change made to the plot. Everything is to link Poirot to the case more personally. Rather than being the eccentric enigma, a social chameleon that masks himself by getting everyone around him to act in line, Poirot is twisted through flashbacks explaining the moustache, his past romances, all tenuously linked to the small but weighty modifications to the cast. Not the gentle, wise voice directing the wedding guests through the horrible events aboard the Karnak, but a participant as emotionally embroiled as the rest of them. It would be easy to argue that in doing so, Branner and co. have completely misunderstood the character, opening doors that were always meant to remain locked. This would probably be true if it were the first such film. Instead, in comparison to Branner's previous Murder on the Orient Express, you'll notice a maturation of the stylings they tried to introduce to the character. It feels less clumsy, far more deliberate, and if you can put aside comparisons to the original text, actually quite fun. Branagh's Poirot is a far cry from his novelistic equivalent. He stumbles into more errors, is far less effective at baiting his suspects into mistakes, and the melodrama he brings is absurd. There's also plenty of nitpicking to be had to his body language, facial hair, and accent, but despite this, Branagh successfully manages to sell these alterations as an interpretation rather than an adaptation of the character. What would the story be like if Poirot were the opposite of himself, the very model of a modern major motion fiction crime fiction protagonist? Firing guns, shouting lines, chasing suspects, none of it's particularly Poirot, but how could it be? Frankly, it's a miracle they were allowed to keep as much of the pacing from the original novel intact as they did, considering how much tourism Christie put into the book before anything really happens. The way the film uses the lavish pre-murder chapters of the novel to establish beats that pay off expressively is surprisingly compelling, especially compared to some of the more mechanical alternatives in the novel. The only real failure to note of our early tour around the novel is actually the visual effects. Whilst unimportant in the grand scheme of the film, it doesn't take a forensic eye to notice this film is more death on the soundstage. The only reason this bears noting is that for the second film in a row, a weather-inflicted halt on the motion of the cast is used as though it builds tension, only to make absolutely no contribution to the plot. On the flip side, the things that do make contributions to the plot are the clever reworkings of the cast, character roles to condensed, shared, and expanded, turning some of Christie's rather uninspired or at 
at least poorly aged, political satire into a tidy motivator. Book, despite being the only outright replacement in the cast, is a fitting companion for the more emotive Poirot that Branner plays, making his own foolish mistakes as his motivations jostle behind the facade. It would have been very easy for them to sequester Book to the background so as not to clutter the main plot or to do the opposite and have him smother the narrative with his flamboyance, but they struck an excellent balance. There is a lot of depth to several characters' motivations lost to squeeze the story into an orationless two hours, but you'll find that in even the most lauded adaptations of the story. There is one plot thread that gets muddied by the new cast, but quite frankly it wouldn't have worked given the gamely mechanisms it served in the novel and previous adaptations. Kenneth Branagh's Death on the Nile will undoubtedly sneak its way into future history books on account of its legally permitted proximity to Christie, but perhaps a little else. The film is fun and brings some compelling growth to Branagh's own Poirot, but if you aren't already curious to see it, you probably don't need to go out of your way. In a vacuum, it's quite easy to recommend as a mystery because it is a comfy, competent watch, but it's not worth making any outstanding noise about. It lands itself at 14th on our list by technicality, above whose body, thanks to Christie's competent mystery, but there's little else separating the two. You're listening to Death of the Reader, your murder mystery world tour. This is review season. Death on the Nile by Kenneth Branagh ranks 14th on our recommendations for the year. Thank you to Disney for inviting us to see the film ahead of its release. Keep up with the rest of our reviews by getting subscribed on your podcast app of choice and join the discussion at Flex and Hertz. This is 2SER 107.3.